This message was recorded during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Please uh, turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to read verse 17, and then we're going to jump down to verses 25 through 35. The title of this message is Undivided Devotion, a Biblical Vision for Singleness in the Local Church. So look with me, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, this is God's word to us. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Jump down to verse 25. Now concerning the betrothed, the unmarried, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and I just want to pray for help as I proclaim it, and Lord, I pray for vision uh, in our church, vision for the students going on vision quest and mostly from this text, vision for the singles in the church to see your purpose in their lives, in this season of their lives, and that they would be encouraged and envisioned by what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as Bill um, mentioned, I have the privilege of serving in our post ministry, which is the young adults ministry of our church. It's not only for singles. It's kind of a young couples and singles ministry. It's for all the young adults of our church. And, um, and in our community group, we also have several single adults. And so he asked me, the team asked me if I would prepare a message uh, primarily to serve the single adults of this church. And as I was thinking about it, it really is, it's a unique season of life filled with particular struggles and particular opportunities. And, and this message Really what I want to do is answer one question, one, one big question. The question is, what is God's vision 
for singleness in the local church? What, what is God's purpose for being single? I, I want the singles in this church to feel and understand and experience God's purpose for this season of your life, to know that he has a purpose and a plan for this life. We all need vision to be refreshed for the particular season that we're walking through. And I think, especially with this topic and this group of people thinking about singleness, we really do need re-envisioning because it's, it's easy for our vision to err when it comes to singleness. Recently, I watched uh, the Disney movie Encanto. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that, but it's a popular movie right now. And the, the movie, it's about a magical family, the Madrigal family. I think I said that right. Not, not positive about that. But in, in this magical family, uh, every child, when they come of age, receives a gift. It's like a magical gift that they receive. Uh, there's a whole ceremony. There's a door. You walk, o- you walk up to the door You turn the knob, and then you receive a gift. It's a special moment. So one one of the daughters, uh, she received super strength. Another one received uh, the ability to talk to animals. There's all sorts of different gifts. But when Mary Bell, she's the main character of the movie, uh, when she comes of age, she walks up to the door, just like all of her sisters have done before, and something strange happens. She goes to turn the knob of the door, and the door closes. There's no gift for her. She's discouraged. She's distraught. She becomes the girl without the gift. And it's easy, I think, for us to view singleness in this way. In our church and in the scriptures, uh, show us to love marriage. Marriage is a wonderful gift from the Lord. The point of this sermon is not at all to lower our view of marriage but it's really to raise our view of singleness. See what the Lord wants to do through singleness. I think just even thinking about that story of Mary Bell and hearing the language that Paul uses in this text, you can see the striking difference. Paul uses words like good, pleasing to the Lord, devotion, holy. Paul, it's striking. He actually feels the need to tell singles you're not sinning if you do get married. That's strange. We, we would probably never give that piece of advice to a single seeking to be married. It's striking, but obviously Paul has a positive vision for, single, for singleness in the local church. It's a fundamentally positive vision. And while I don't want to ignore the challenges of singleness, I think really what the Lord wants to do is show us his positive vision. He wants to show us that he's at work in this season of life, and he has a purpose for it. Uh, But before we dive into the main point, I just want to offer two caveats before we start. Uh, The first one is that this chapter deals with a lot of things. So if you've read 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about divorce, it talks about widows, it it talks about so many different topics. And my, my role today, what I'm trying to do, is not to walk through this passage in detail. It's, it's, it's a topical sermon, seeking to find some principles from this passage that relate to singleness in the church. Um, and the second one, the second caveat, is that while the main topic is singleness, the target is the whole church. So in God's wisdom, this passage of Scripture 
is addressed to the gathered congregation. It's not just a message to be heard by singles, it's a message to be heard by the whole church. So I hope and pray that if you are single, you're encouraged, but also if you're married. I trust there'll be applications from uh, this topic that apply to you, that help you in your walk with the Lord. And also I pray that it'll help you see the vision to be a better friend to your brothers and sisters in Christ walking out this season in life. Okay, so what is God's vision for singleness in the local church? How would I answer that question? That's, that's the main point of this sermon. And here's how I would answer it in a sentence. Singleness in the church is not a problem to be solved. It's a calling to be seized for undivided devotion. Singleness in the church, it's not a problem to be solved. It's a calling to be seized for undivided devotion. It's not so much an obstacle to be overcome, but an opportunity to be grabbed hold of for the glory of the Lord and the good of others. It's not, it's not like a waiting room for the rest of your life. You know, you go into the waiting room at the doctor's office and you're sitting there and you're kind of waiting to see the doctor. Singleness, it's not like that. It's not a waiting room for the really good stuff to happen. It's a mission field full of opportunities to serve the Lord. So I have two points that I want uh, us to see that I think will help us see the vision for singleness in the church. Two points. Um, point number one, singleness is a calling. So that's going to come from verse 17. And point number two, singleness has a purpose. Uh, verses 25 through 35. So point number one, singleness is a calling. Look, look with me again in verse 17. It says, only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him, has, called, has, called, has assigned to him, and that to which God has called him. So, so the word calling is kind of, it's a Christian buzzword that's usually, um, usually means something like a strong desire from the Lord to do something. So you maybe feel called to one line of work or called to serve the Lord in a specific way. And while it's not necessarily wrong to use the term that way, it's not usually how the New Testament uses that word. So in the New Testament, calling really means one of two things. You're called to Christ for conversion. So you see that in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, those who are called to be saints together with, um, with all the saints. And the second way is you're called to your present life circumstances and responsibilities, so that's what our text says, the, the life that the Lord has assigned to you, your present calling. In this section, what Paul's doing is he's encouraging Christians, the Corinthians, uh, to be faithful in whatever position and place and the people God has put in your life. Be faithful there because that is your present calling. Now, it's important to note that callings come and go uh, with seasons of life. I loved how Bill talked about the college students and your season of life. It's so important. That's why we want to do vision quests because it's an important season in life. We know that life comes and goes in, in seasons, right? So we're, you're a student for one season and then you'll leave that season and you'll work after that. Our callings in life, they change. They're not always permanent, but they're always purposeful. That's the first point. Wherever the Lord has you, whether you're single or not, wherever the Lord has you right now, it's, it's purposeful. There, there's a reason that you're there. 
But this truth is fundamental in how we think about singleness. Those who are single in the church are called to be single for this season of your life. It's specific. It's a purpose. God has a plan for it. Paul, he, he uses a word here that I found very helpful in thinking about calling. He uses the word assignment. So look at that. Only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. The, the image is that God, God is like a master teacher with students all around, and he gives a different assignment to each student to be fulfilled. So the call, I think the calling of singleness can really be summed up this way. Your singleness is not an accident. It's an assignment. It's not, it's, it's not like God just neglected something, but he's actually given you something in this season. So I'm, as Bill said, I'm a teacher. I'm actually, I'm a new teacher, so I'm learning a lot, making a lot of mistakes. And uh, one of the things I'm learning is how to give a good assignment, um, give a good assignment to my students. I teach a class on the great books of the Western world, so we, we, did a, we read through Lord of the Rings, Robin Hood, Beowulf, and we were in a section of hero stories. So we're reading all these stories about great heroes and acts of courage and valor, and uh, one of the assignments I gave to the kids was to write their own hero story, uh, to write a story with a hero and um, talk about a great act of courage or sacrifice. So they did, and they really loved this assignment. So they went above and beyond. Many, many wrote double what they were supposed to. Some of them, one, one student created his own language for this world and this story that he was doing. And he's really into Lord of the Rings, by the way. So I'm kind of nerdy, so I enjoy, I enjoy talking to him about that. So this assignment was really good. But uh, other assignments I give are not so good. Um, and... Uh, I have several illustrations of that, but I'm not sure that would be very helpful to share with you, so I won't do that. The point is, I make mistakes in assignments I give. I assume, I assume too much of students or too little. Sometimes I can be unwise or, or even, even unkind if they're not behaving well. I'll give a bad assignment to them or something difficult for them to do. The good news for each of us is that God's not like that. God, God never gives a bad assignment. He never makes mistakes. He's never unwise. He never overlooks what we need. Every circumstance, everything he gives, every assignment is for his glory and for our good. Sometimes, I'm sure you probably asked your teachers this at one point, but sometimes my students will ask, why are you punishing us? I, I'm usually... I'm usually not punishing them, but um, anyway, yeah. So the point is, sometimes, sometimes we, we can ask that same question of the Lord, can't we? Why, why are you punishing me? What, what did I do to deserve this? Maybe, maybe you've asked a similar question as this. Why am I single when all my friends are getting married? It's a tough question. Why am I stuck in a job I don't like when my friends are prospering? Why am I suffering? Why are you punishing me, Lord? I think one thing the Lord wants to do for the singles and for everybody is to assure you that your assignment in life, your calling, isn't the result of God's anger or God's neglect. He's not punishing you. He never gives an assignment to punish you because that assignment has already been 
fulfilled for us. Christ, when he came to earth, he came with an assignment to suffer the wrath of God and be punished in our place on the cross so that we could only know God's love and favor. Because Christ has um, fulfilled that assignment, we can be sure that every assignment we receive is from his good fatherly hand. And I know, even as I say this, I just know many singles in our church, if not most, desire to be married. I thought the word from Monica was so good on waiting on the Lord. It's true, desire to be married. I'm not, not minimizing that or neglecting that. Even saying your singleness is a calling, it might be difficult to hear. And I want to be clear, this passage, it's not discouraging singles from being married. Paul has a very high view of marriage. The goal is actually, it's more to encourage you that this season of your life has a purpose. It has a purpose that goes beyond um, anything you can think of right now. It's God's calling for you. The goal is to help you help fix your gaze on the Lord and his providence. So here's, here's one question I think we could all ask ourselves, regardless of our calling, whether we're single or not. Do we trust that our present circumstances are a part of God's purposeful plan? Or do we believe that they're the result of God's neglect or anger? Ask yourself that. Do you trust that where, where you are, your assignment, your difficulties in life, do you trust that those come to you from God's purpose or from God's neglect? Theologian uh, John Webster is helpful when he counsels us about providence. He says this, In the end, contentment derives from knowing that our lives are directed by the providential purpose of God. Contentment derives from knowing that our lives aren't going about aimlessly. Your singleness, you're not going about aimlessly just waiting for something to happen. But they're actually being led by the providential purposes of God. God is directing our lives. He has a purpose. So if, I just want to pause and say, if you're struggling with this, if you're struggling to believe this about your current circumstances, I would love to pray for you. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end of the service, our second Sunday ministry time. If you're struggling with your current calling in any way and um, just feel a burden, want to trust the Lord in it, come down for prayer. So singleness, first point, singleness is a calling. It's an assignment. It's purposeful. It's not meaningless. But thankfully, our Lord, he's a good teacher who explains his assignments. He doesn't just say, there's a purpose, so get on with it. But he actually tells us what that purpose is. What is the vision? What does it look like to live faithfully as a single adult in the local church? And that brings us to point two, uh, verses 25 through 35. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of singleness? Um, in, in verses 25 through 27, Paul, Paul gives Holy Spirit-inspired advice for singles in the church. He, he doesn't say, don't marry. He, he's very careful not to say, um, this is a law, you must not marry. But he gives, he gives advice. And his advice is that um, it's good to remain single in the church. So why, why in the world would Paul give this advice? I think it's very contrary to what we would initially think 
his advice would be. Well, verse 35 gives the answer, and it really, it sums up the vision for singleness in two words, undivided devotion. That's the vision. That's the purpose for singleness in two words, undivided devotion. Look, look down in your Bibles with me at, verses thir- at verse 35. It's the end of that section. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. His, his point here is that singles have a unique ability to focus their time and attention on the Lord and the things of the Lord. Maybe, maybe one way to put it is like, like this. If the purpose of marriage is primarily about displaying Christ, who he is, what his relationship with the church is like, the purpose of singleness is devotion to Christ. Full throttle devotion to knowing him and making him known and serving his cause. This, this is a calling that, um, that builds up the local church. And it's a calling that's critical in Paul's mind because the time is short. So if you notice that, Paul actually roots the importance of the calling in the times that we're in. He says the time is short. So look, look in verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. Verse 31. The present form of the world is passing away. What Paul's doing is not so much predicting uh, when Christ will return, but he's saying that Christ will return. He's coming soon, and our lives should be marked with a sense of urgency. The world isn't just going to keep on going the way it's always gone. The Lord died and has been raised, and he reigns in heaven, and he's going to return. And if that's true, if he's going to return, how then should we live? We should live with urgency. Uh, This past week, if you're doing the Bible reading plan, we read in Mark 13 where Jesus said, um, talked about his return, and he said, stay awake. That's the call. Stay awake. The Lord is coming back. And Paul, he goes here because he's saying that singles in the church have a unique ability to stay awake. Staying awake to the things of the Lord, to knowing him, to serving him in various ways. Uh, last week, Bill mentioned being a basketball fan. I'm also a basketball fan, and I was just loved watching us beat Kentucky yesterday, and I'm excited about the game this afternoon. But if you know anything about basketball, you know that the fourth quarter is just completely different from the rest of the game. So you're playing the same game, but in the first three quarters, there's various levels of attention and uh, effort by players, especially if you're watching the NBA. There's really various levels of effort the whole, um, the whole game. But the first three quarters, yeah, it's kind of you're going along, you're playing. But in the fourth quarter, and especially in the final two minutes, you can almost see it. In the huddle, there's no chatter. There's focus on the coach. There's people diving on the floor, going crazy, trying to win the game. Why? Why, why, why the difference? It's because the time is short. It's because the buzzer is going to sound. The game's going to be over. So give yourself to winning the game. Paul, Paul wants us to feel a sense of urgency. We too, in a similar, in a similar way, we're, we're in the fourth quarter. The Lord's coming back. He wants us to feel the sense of urgency. And I imagine Paul 
uh, as a coach here. So he's, he's calling time out. He's gathering the church around him. And, and he's saying, look, guys, we're, we're in the fourth quarter. We need a sense of urgency. And then he looks to the singles in the huddle and says, there's a play drawn up specifically for you. There's something that you can accomplish in the fourth quarter that nobody else can. There's a unique gift. It's not to say marriage, in marriage you don't serve, but it's just to say that in singleness, you have a unique ability to serve. You can seize the urgency of the moment. There's a play drawn up for you. The Lord knows that you're single, and he has a plan for it. So look, look with me briefly in verses 32 through 34. This is really um, what Paul's doing is contrasting marriage with singleness, thinking about this very, this very topic. What's, so what, what's the difference? Why would I say that singleness provides unique opportunity for devotion? So look at verses 32 through 34. The unmarried man, the single man, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. That, that phrase, his interests are divided, could be, it could be translated, he's a divided man. He has the Lord cultivating relationship with the Lord on one side, and, and his wife cultivating his relationship with his wife on the other side. It's, it's not a critique of marriage. If you're married, you have to cultivate your relationship with your spouse. That's a calling from the Lord. But the point is that singles are free from that type of time and energy cultivating that relationship. And the same goes for single women. So look at verse 34b. The unmarried woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please her husband. The main value Paul is trying to highlight is that singles have a gift of freedom. There's, there's freedom of time, freedom of attention, freedom of energy that can be used in unique ways. It's wrong to assume that every single adult is just free all the time, but in general, singles do have more freedom of time than married couples do. And what's, what's interesting is that our culture um, actually values the, single, the freedom that singleness can bring, but it values it for the wrong reasons. So our culture, singleness is great because you're free to travel, you're free to be yourself, free to love yourself, you're free to find yourself. It's, it's a freedom that focuses on the self, right? So you're, you're not tied down to the ball and chain. You're, you're free to do what you want. The church celebrates the freedom singleness brings for a very different reason. They say, yes, singleness brings freedom, but it's freedom for the Lord. Freedom to serve the Lord. Freedom to give yourself to the Lord. Freedom to be up early. Freedom to stay up late. Freedom to go places that you wouldn't normally go. Serve in ways you wouldn't normally serve. This is how our Lord Jesus lived when he walked on earth. Jesus Christ was the most complete man who ever lived. And he was single. He never married. He lived a life of undivided devotion to the Father. He was always doing his Father's work. 
He went from town to town, preaching, healing the sick, seeking the lost. And his life ended in a sacrificial death for the glory of God and the salvation of sinners. He said, not my will, not my will be done, but your will be done. Singles, in a similar way, have a unique ability to devote themselves to God and to his purpose. And one thing I've noticed as I've spent time around the single adults of this church is that they are doing this. I'm so thankful. There's nothing in this sermon that's corrective, nothing that says, oh, you need to whip into shape and serve more, do more. It's more to say the ways that you are serving are building up this church. It's a wonderful thing what you're doing. Recently, uh, Maria and I were looking for somebody to serve in a compassion ministry event kind of last minute. It was, it was 3 p.m. and we needed somebody at 6 o'clock. Um, and so we're racking our brains and who to ask. And I, I had in my mind one single guy who just has a track record of serving sacrificially. I said, let's, let's call him. He'll answer and he'll come. That was, the, that was my exact words. And then we called him and sure enough, he picked up the phone, said, sure, I'll be there. And so I was talking to him. I said, so did you, did you have to leave work early or something? He said, yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. I can, um, I can go back after it's done and finish up a couple hours of work. Well, we ended at like 10 o'clock. So it probably meant he's up at like 1 a.m. Finishing, finishing his work from the day. What he told me is, I'm glad to do it. Glad to serve. So do you see how that's, that's an open door for ministry that I, I wouldn't have open because of being married? So another example, recently a member of our church uh, was in the hospital, and it's a member of our church that doesn't have family around. A single guy took off work on Friday to spend all day with him, and then all day on Saturday as well. He sent updates on how he was doing. He kept us in the loop. Just want you to see that these are open doors for ministry that the Lord gives I hope if you're single, you're catching a little bit of the vision of what the Lord wants to do. There, don't, don't view your singleness as one big closed door. View it as hundreds of open doors for ministry. Hundreds of ways, unique ways that you can step through and serve. I want to encourage you, going back to the basketball analogy, you're not on the bench in this game. It's not like oh, we're all about marriage and singles. You kind of have to just wait to get married. You're not on the bench. You're in the game, and you have a purpose to serve the Lord. I just want to conclude with two, two application points. Two application points for being single in the local church. And one, one application is uh, for married people, and the other one is for singles. So one application for married people, how, how can you be a, a wise and good friend to singles in this season of their life? And I, I think the big thing is open, open your heart and your home to the singles of Cornerstone Church. So what I mean by that is um, open, open your heart to friendship with them and open your home to hospitality. I'm so thankful that our community groups already do this. We don't base our community groups on stage of life or something like that, but the community groups are integrated in different stages of life, and I think that's wonderful. Jesus, when he came to earth, one thing he did was redefine how we think about the family. There was one moment when 
he was teaching. And there was crowds around him, and um, his mother and his brother were there. And someone came up to him from the crowd and said, Jesus, don't you know your mother and your brother are here? Don't, don't you want to speak with them? And he said, who are my mother and my brothers? And he looked at his disciples, and he said, those who do, do the will of my father are my mother and my brothers. The point is that the church is the family of God. And that's a family that transcends blood. So let's, let's seek to cultivate that more and more in our body. So finally, just one last application to singles. One last call. I want to encourage you, seize this season for devotion to Christ. Your singleness, it, it, may, it may be uh, temporary, it may be permanent. You don't know the plans that the Lord has for you. But however long this season is, let me encourage you, don't, don't wish it away. Seize it. Grab hold of it. See the opportunities that the Lord has given you right now and walk through it. What we've seen in this passage is that singleness is a gift from God to be used for God. It's about knowing Christ and serving him with devotion. So college students, I'm so excited that you're heading out to Vision Quest. This is just a wonderful application as you go. I'm praying this week, this week, it'll be filled with undivided devotion to the Lord and to fellowship with one another. So go, seek to know the Lord more. Seek to serve him. Seek to have fellowship. And for the rest of singles in this church, I just want to pray that you would see this season of your life the way God sees it, as an opportunity for undivided devotion to him and his purposes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have purposes in our lives, purposes that can't be thwarted, purposes that are good, that are meant for our good. And Lord, I pray that every single adult in the church would um, believe that, have faith to believe that. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the gift for the singles in our church that love you with undivided devotion, who are serving you, who are building up this church. And I pray that you'd bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message recorded during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.